As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This week on Catch and Shoot 2.0, as the Omicron variant spreads across the country, what is the best way forward for the NBA in handling this issue? Pausing the schedule, more testing, less testing, plus the Nets welcome back Kyrie eventually. And what should Santa put in the stockings of some of the folks around the league? We'll talk about all that and more. But first, Darlene, let's get to it. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas. And with that said, hi, everybody, and welcome to another rendition of Catch and Shoot 2.0. I am Aaron Berlin, along with my partner. He is the one. He is the only. His name is Otto Strong. Otto, what's going on, my man? What's happening? It feels like it feels like a lot of stuff has happened since we last spoke, and it was only a few days ago. Just things are just getting, getting, getting crazy out here. Absolutely. 90% of the NBA's uh, positive COVID tests that have come back, according to the league today, have come by way of the Omicron variant or variant. So, Mm. you know, that's great for the league. But before we dive too far into that, I have to know, I have to know, are you doing anything special for the holiday season? Is there anything anything special going on? So no, because... Of COVID, number one, uh, and number two, because I'm working. Um, (laughs) So, okay. Okay. Because you did tell us this, that you're working like days ahead at this point, right? Like it's not for tomorrow's story. It's for what could come out on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. What is that like? as the life of an editor. Oh, oh, it's, it's a joy to behold. Um, (laughs) no, look, it, 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 it is, it is great. I've, I've been blessed. I've been doing this for three decades and I feel honored to be, to be able to do what I do. At the same time, you know, there, there are sacrifices that, that, that folks in, in, our, in our line of work have made. You know, you think about it for every game that goes on on Christmas Day and it's great for, you know, the family is there huddled around the couch, but there are producers, there's obviously, you know, whatever network you watch. Uh, and it's for every holiday, Thanksgiving, you know, whatever, whatever holiday is near and dear to your heart. Um, that's always, that's always the way it is there, you know, folks in the production truck, it's a, it's a work day for them. So they find ways to, to make the holiday for years. I like, we did Thanksgiving on Wednesday or, fr- or Friday, cause that's when, you know, that's when I was free yeah. or the, or the 26th. So we did our big thing on the 23rd. I think you talk to a lot of people in the, in this industry and like, you'll, you'll, you'll hear things like that. But, yeah. um, but yeah, COVID has definitely kind of put a, put a, a wrench in it all. And I'm, I'm kind of, so I'm kind of wondering like, how would now I know Orlando, you're going to make the, make the run to KC or you, or you doing something different. <laughs> no. So we are actually going down. Um, I guess it would be South. Like we're going down to Fort Myers. That's where the girlfriend's parents live. They have a little house down there. So we're going to spend the holidays with them okay. because Otto, I'm not sure if you've looked at flights or how much plane tickets are this year, but they are absurd compared to what it has been in a typical year where flights haven't been disrupted where let's 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 say three years ago right before the coronavirus existed i could fly home for christmas at around 400 bucks right Right. which is a very easy cost to bear yeah this year when i looked it was twelve hundred dollars. No, and so no. and so I, I I tipped my cap to Mama and Papa Berlin, and I said I will see you guys next year. <laughs> yeah, it, it it is crazy because like last year things were so cheap because they were trying to just you know get people on, and this year they're you know so insanely expensive. But the one thing you know, and this kind of maybe dovetails into our first segment, the the Omicron virus or variant, I should say, um, 
is so, I don't think people realize how, just how contagious it is. You know, yes. it's, it's as contagious as the measles, which for many people is like, okay, well, how contagious is the measles? Basically, you know, here's your, like your 30 second PSA. Basically someone who has, who, who's, who's, who's got the, the variant or the measles could be in a room. They could leave the room. The room could be vacant for two hours and then you could come in and still get it. That's how contagious it is. So even, and so you think about what, what that means for cramped quarters, planes, people getting off a plane, on a plane, you could wipe down anything you want to, but it's, you know, the fact that it could remain, you know, is, is going to be, it's just, it's going to be problematic. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, you know, I, I think we, I think we were both saying that we were afraid that this is where we could, where we could find ourselves. And the NHL, not, not only of the shut down a couple of days in advance, they're also with, within the last hour or so, they said that they were, not going to be participating in the winter in the winter games. Um, so that's you know, it's just another element to all this. Yeah, and it's so here's here, here's the thing to think about. You know, two years ago, I guess no, I mean it was almost two years ago, almost, right? Almost. Like it was uh, it was March of 2020 when right. things really started to shut down yep. because the first major event that shut down um, was, I believe, it was the Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? Yep. And we NBA. were sitting here and we were doing this show and it was, everything was going on and we were like, how do we convey the magnitude of this situation? How do we put this into context for our listeners who are just saying, why can't they play through this? And it's, and I will say this, Otto, I think it's harder today to explain to people why this variant is more dangerous or more worrisome than the original strand, right? Yeah. Because it's it's because now the counter argument and what the leagues are having to deal with and what the leagues are trying to figure out, and we've already seen this with the NFL with the way that they've altered their health and safety protocols, right, for vaccinated and non-vaccinated players and the time to return, and then the way that the NBA has started to structure things. It's very difficult to say, hey, you're vaccinated. You can return in three or four days pending negative tests, right? right? Or you're not vaccinated. Even if you have negative tests, you can't return for 10 days, right? And that is where I think this is getting to be a very, very sticky situation and why this is 10 times harder than what it was in March when they just said, okay, we're shutting the league down. We're going to figure this out and how we can return safely. And if I'm Adam Silver, I'm not excited to be in this situation because one, they do have a, they do have a season to finish and they're a month and a, almost two months into a campaign, right? Mm -hmm. Of a six month campaign. And you can't shut it all down once again, because you already dealt with that a year and a half ago and the revenues that were lost. And so what the NBA is trying to do now is they're trying to fix this thing on the fly and in the back of my mind, Otto, I'm thinking we deal with the same issues every winter, right? Like the winter is flu season. The winter yep. is when people get sick. Why? And I, I'll say this. I think the league has done a great job through last year, through the early parts of this year of managing uh, potential outbreaks and issues that could come up. But this goes for all leagues. This goes for the NFL. This, I mean, Major League Baseball is having a shutdown, so can't really throw them into this. Right, right. But why was there not a bigger conversation on what happens once we get to the winter months? Right. I, I well, I mean, a couple, a couple of things. One, I think, is that people had the idea that there was the notion that we were going to get past it. That we were, yeah, there'd be variants out there, and you know, th this isn't the first variant, so variants would come and variants would go. The problem is that this variant is so highly contagious. And the other complicating factor is that while it is very contagious, it's not as, I mean, look, it's serious, but it's not, if you, I think based on what I've heard the doctors and the experts say, it's not as serious. But the problem is that if you've got way, way more people getting it, your percentage of people who are going to have problems with it is also going to rise. And so, you know, as a, as a percentage, it, it may not be the problem that it was the first go round. Cause obviously the other thing you have now is that most of the people in the country, I'm not saying all, but most of the people, you know, the 50 plus one, and it's obviously more than that, but you know, have some level of protection. 
some you know one shot, some get two, you know, in a fair amount, and a rising number we have the boosters. And so if you have all of that protection and you and you are exposed to the to the variant, okay, you you'll you'll get sick, but you're not gonna get that kind of you know serious hospitalization, deathly type sick. And to your point, lots of people get the flu every year. And and also, you know, and, and in truth, lots of people die of the flu every year. Now, again, this 100%. is not, yeah. Now this is, again, this is not a con, this is not me saying that, you know, the variant is the flu. I'm not saying that at all. It's just, you know, two individual it's, facts can be it's true. It's just like, it's just like every year we plan for flu season, right? Yeah. yeah. Like that's, that's why people know in the fall that they should get their flu shot for the winter time. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the same thing because at this point, we both know we're going to have to live with this probably for not just the next two or three years, right? But probably for the rest of our lives. Like at this point, it's probably just not ever going away. So like, why wasn't more planning done by the leagues beforehand to say, and I get this, like variants are going to come up and they're going to be hard to predict on how people respond to them. But I still think there should have been something done at the league level when it came to testing protocols to what they do when these situations arise, because you have clubs now auto that can't field whole teams, you know, yeah, they yeah. had to, they had to change the way that teams can add players to the roster because of the way this variant is sweeping through clubs. Yeah. I'll say this. If your club probably has six or seven positives in a given day, or maybe in a given few days, that team probably needs to be off the schedule for at least a week. Well, yeah, I, like, yeah. I, I don't understand just like this plug and play situation that happens because what we're seeing is it's just running through teams. Well, I mean, here's the thing, just, just putting sports to the side for a second, the movies, the new Spider-Man movie opened up last week and it had the third largest opening of any movie ever, which means that people are going back to the theaters. People are congregating in spaces. The holidays are here. People are going to go over each other's houses. All this to say, the number of people who are going to be exposed to it, whether they get infected or not, but exposed to it is certainly going to be much higher, you know, now than, than it was before. Um, and to your point, you know, th- there are two questions. Now it's it's okay. Well, what are we going to do about the players, and ha- and how do we put our product on the floor? But then, what are we going to do about the fans? Uh, you know, I mean, do you really want to have? I mean, if if the numbers keep keep rising at the rate that the people are saying they're going to, what do you do about that? So I. So here's the thing the league has to answer for itself. What's more important, number of games played in a calendar year or number of fans in venue, right? Because what's going to happen is if with, with the way this virus is spreading, you can't have both. You can't have full 18,000 seat venues each night, right? Because otherwise it's just going to spread the way that it has. And two, if you do want to have full venues, then you need to take a pause in the season until, I don't know, month, month and a half until there's a better understanding of how to attack this and how to have a safe way to return to play. Because otherwise I just don't understand how you continue to have both, you continue to have these issues and you just don't get anywhere with it. You're, you're right. And, and, we, and we all know which, which group of athletes is going to be the most vulnerable. I mean, NBA arenas, you basically are sitting right next to the players. If you, I mean, if you're courtside, obviously not everybody, but they're closed venues. At least the NFL could say we're, we're outdoors and, and the players are separated quite a distance from the fans. And that's a great point, Otto, because you know this, the, the player at the end of the bench, right, is routinely being tested. The guy that sits front row is not. So then what, what is the point of testing the player every two or three days and making them go through that. If the guy who's paying $900 to sit courtside isn't being tested or having some kind of PCR test when they walk through the venue to sit next to that player. These, these are, these are, look, these are questions we're going to have to, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be watching and we'll be seeing what happens, but, but, you know, Hey, meanwhile, um, there was a certain player who hadn't been allowed to play who seems like he's going to be, able to play in certain games once he Kyrie Irving of course we're talking about like so he's he is it he's back or he's back I'm not sure which one I'm not (laughs) not sure which one it is 
I, I think it's he's back with the question mark. Yeah, yeah, that was that'd be that he's back. Yeah. And the better question is, why now for the Brooklyn Nets? Right? Is it because we're having all these situations with the Omicron variant, or is it because the Nets have not lived up to expectations? And I'll, and I'll probably say it's it's the latter, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think I, I think that the, the again, I think this the variant and all the stories around it are moving so fast that if the variant conversation was happening now and they hadn't said that Kyrie was going to be back, I don't know if they would have done that. But now it's like. Uh, <laughs> not sure not sure which you know which which way to go um and, and remember last week when we were talking about this uh with serena winters you know right like if you were to trade ben simmons for um kyrie irving mm-hmm. what that would look like right mm-hmm. and the biggest proponent of that trade was that kyrie could actually play in philadelphia where he right. could not play in his home venue but he could play on the road but if you were to trade him in division, he could play every game for the Sixers, even when they traveled in. Yeah. Not with him in that arena. Yeah. It's, and so that's that's been part of the problem this whole time is, uh, and I don't blame the Nets for how they handled this, right? Because it does not serve them what they need for a single player to play 41 games as opposed to 82 games, right? Like that doesn't, it helps you a little bit with resting players and whatnot, but if Kyrie's not going to be able to play home playoff games, then what's the point, right? Because yeah. the Nets are projected to have a, I mean, I would think they would be projected to have a high seed to host home games. Yeah. be an integral part of those games. Yeah. I mean, look, look, as you, as you know, if, if, if you steal one or two on the road and you're the home team, I mean, that, that's, that's not a bad, you know, I mean, it's, it's almost like, you know, the baseball analogy is like, you know, having that left-handed bat coming off, coming off the bench or something like that. That wouldn't be a bad um, you know, situation to have. I mean, the, the, the killer would be if if the Nets, not that I feel like the Nets are going to lose to the Knicks in the, in the, if they were to meet in the playoffs, but if that were to happen, that would be like, ah, oh, because I can't use them at all. But it, it you know, the, I mean, but the, the thing about about Kyrie, at least, at least the way that the, you know, NBA season is constructed, and this gets into, you know, how, how he will work within the locker room and all that stuff. You know, as, you know you're a baseball guy as well. You know, you're, you're Kansas City Royals. How about that? I'm bringing up uh, a KC team. Imagine that. But, you know, you got your Royals. They go on, what, a seven-game road trip. They go on a, a, a three-city, you know, road trip. You could kind of plan for that. You know, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna see three teams, two teams, four teams, whatever it is, and you're in that regular cycle. And then you get home and you, could, you know you're on, the, you're on the shelf for a week. But this is like, you know, you've got a home game, but then you've got two road games, and then maybe there's a game in New York, which is – it's a road game, but you can't play in it anyway. So it's like, it's very, it's a very disjointed kind of, even though you could play in all the road games, it's not like, Oh, I've got 20 and then I'm off 20. It's, it's very, you know, and, I mean, and basketball is very much a rhythm sport, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Just, exactly. just like baseball is a sport where you have to be in the batter's box every single day. You have to be taking grounders every single day, or it, you lose a bit of it. Basketball yeah. is very much, you need to feel where your opponents or where your teammates are. You need to understand where they're going to be. And there's just, it, it just doesn't work. You know, like, like football is different because it's played once a week. Yeah. Baseball and basketball are very much sports you have to do every single day. And if Kyrie can't even practice in his home state, yeah, no. how do you get in shape when you do go on the road with the team? Yeah, that, I mean, that's why I'm... Because you'll, you'll hear coaches, not to cut you off, but you'll hear coaches talk about this all the time, right? If a player is out two, three weeks, the first thing they say is, oh, he's got to get back in shape. And, and I know the, the, the normal person in the back of their mind is probably sitting there thinking, get back into shape. These guys are like, they have nutritionists, they're yeah, always yeah, working yeah. out, blah, blah, blah. It is not the same. No. It is no. not the same as running up and down a court for 48 minutes every single night or just going five on five with 10 guys that are just trying to crush you. Right. Or yeah. five guys that are just trying to crush you defensively. So it's, it's a very difficult thing to just say, Hey, Kyrie, you've been sitting now two months. Uh, we got a road trip where we got a left coast swing coming up in two weeks. So we'll see you at the plane. You're playing the first game. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Kyrie, I, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. no, that, that, there's no question. That's, that would be difficult. I mean, I think for the reasons we just talked about, I think the playoffs would actually be present a much easier situation. Not saying that he's not going to play until then, but just, uh, you know, you know when your games are, 
There are no back to back. There are no back to backs. You know, you, you, by the time you want them for that that game, you know, assuming that they're always going to have game games one and two. By the time you want them, like really, you know, game game three, game four, game six, he's you know he's right there. You got him, and like that would be that would be really intimidating. I mean, I don't know how I would feel if I'm an opponent and I, you know, I'm down you know down o two, and now we're coming home and great Kyrie's coming off, you know, come Kyrie's about to come in and play. Like that would be extremely demoralizing if I was, you know, the, the, the guys down O2. So I, I think it could, I could, I think it could help them, but I don't, but there's, you know, there are all the other questions that you raise, um, you know, fitness questions, whatnot. Absolutely. It's, it's always amazing how many issues surround Kyrie, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It certainly are. And so, what do we do now? What do we do now? I think we wrap. All right, Otto, it is the Christmas season, and that means it is time for gift giving. Now, what usually happens is like you and I will exchange gifts, right? And usually I get you something big and grand and wonderful that like I've thought about and I've poured over, and you give me like chocolate. So to like, not have that happen this year. I thought maybe we would give some gifts to some players and things that they really wanted. And then what's going to happen along the way is we're going to invite other people to this party, right? And I'm not going to tell you who's coming to this party, but we're going to invite them in one by one. Okay. All right. So All right. who is your gift to what player and why are you giving that to them? Okay. First off, the, cho- the chocolate that I get you is like high quality. It's like the, the highest qualities. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like Hershey Kisses. It's not this Oompa Loompa crap. It's like the best chocolate on the planet. So <laughs> let's, just, let's just put that out there. Well, let's just yeah. say I got you an iPhone. So, you know, it's fair. <laughs> hey, it's hey fair. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I got an iPhone. I think I, I have an iPhone negative six. That's how old my phone is. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, so the, the, the recipient of the gift is going to be one Clay Thompson. Uh, Clay has not played the Golden State Warriors, uh, played NBA ball for that matter, for 30 months. Uh, got hurt in the NBA Finals in June 2019. Here we are, December 2021. The blip, you know, if you remember from the Marvel Universe, the blip was five years. So he's already gone half of a blip without without playing NBA ball. And I half blip. so half, half blip exactly. So I, I he has he has he has served enough time on the bench. I I just hope that it's nothing just for roses for him all the, all, the, all the way out. And I and of course I might have picked the Golden State Warriors to win the NBA title. Just saying. Huh? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, anyway. it's, it's just convenient that it always comes back to like your personal choices, right? Like, of course. Like, that's how it happens. That's, a, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's okay. Because if I'm giving a gift and it's going to, we all know who it's going to, it's going to a Kansas Jayhawk that plays in the loop, right? Like that's, that's how this goes because every episode has to have a mention of Kansas basketball or the Chiefs or Kansas City sports in some way, shape or form. How that happens in an NBA podcast, I don't know but it does. And it manages to find its way. I am giving a gift to Joel Embiid because if there's one thing we learned from our conversation with Serena Winters last week is that Joel Embiid's frustrated, right? He wants to have a good run in Philadelphia. He loves the city of brotherly love, but the problem is for the longest time, they've not given him a point guard. So I'm giving Joel Embiid Dame Dalla as his point guard moving forward. And I think that's a good gift because that's a tremendous pairing. He's got someone who can shoot. He's got someone who can distribute. And he's got someone who's not scared to take the last shot in the game, Otto. So how is this yeah. happening? How is this, is this like a trading places kind of situation? No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm actually paying Dame Dollar out of my pocket because oh, wow. I'm a good gift giver, Otto. I think about my gifts and I put my life investment in them. And it's all in crypto. So that's what's happening these days. <laughs> all right. So. The next member of this party that's coming in is we've talked to this guy numerous times throughout the course of this show that we've done this auto. We like to call him the double B. He is the CCO. He is the king of content. He has just endless titles across the board. His name is Bruce Bernstein. Bruce, what is up? Aaron, thank you so much for inviting me to the last show. You know, today is... December 21st, as we're recording, shortest day of the year, first day of the winter solstice. That is why I busted out the Pure Hoops Media beanie, because I'm in Connecticut. It's like uh, 28 degrees right now, so I need it to stay warm. So I'm giving myself um, 
probably a Duraflame log, but I'm giving Anthony Davis of the Lakers good health for his Christmas gift. We know he went down over the weekend with a sprained MCL. He's going to probably miss somewhere between 14 and 20 games. Last year, he missed 36 games. He gets injured pretty much every year. He's a brilliant player who just can't stay healthy. So my Christmas gift for AD is good health. And let's put him in some bubble wrap as soon as he comes back, Aaron. We might have to put both of your players in bubble wrap, both of you guys. But the good news is I can get a discount at that at Staples. So we're okay. You know, at least Dame Dollar never gets hurt. But Bruce, as always, great to have you on the show, my man. And because it is the holiday season, we had to drag our producer onto this show because he just never wants to be on air. I mean, I can't tell you, Otto, the number of times we've sat here and we've told Dan, dude, just come on the show with us. Even, even Otto, when you stiffed us that one show, Dan was like, nah, man, you're doing this solo. You're doing this solo. So I'd like to welcome on our great producer, the guy who does everything behind the scenes for us. His name is Dan Kramer. Dan, what is that, my man? You know, it's it's amazing to know that uh, my good friend, the Double B, Bruce Bernstein, was nice enough to offer his Christmas gift as a long as him as a longtime Celtic supporter, a gift to one of my Lakers. That's you know that is showing just the spirit the spirit of the holidays. And Bruce, I appreciate it, my good friend. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. So, yeah. So, um, and this may unfortunately kind of set up uh, a couple of our guests later who are, as we might mention, you know, kind of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an old school guy. Um, you know, the, my buddies, I can't really say that they're, you, you know, not old school guys, but kind of new school. They're into the, the crypto and the NFTs and, analytics and I'm not anti-analytics but I'm not necessarily pro analytics I'm kind of nuanced analytics whatever that means but I just figured that a good gift look I, I remember when I was bar mitzvah and getting U.S. savings bonds what a great investment back then and it still is a terrific investment especially now with inflation going crazy so I figure why not give an old school investment gift to an old school guy And that old school guy is DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan has been nothing but great for the Chicago Bulls, been a great pickup for them. Um, They are fighting uh, amongst the top three teams in uh, the NBA's Eastern Conference. DeRozan is leading the team uh, in scoring and um, is also high up there on some of the analytical stats. Uh, He's amongst the top 20 players in win shares. He's among the top 20 players in PER. And honestly, he's a guy that uh, hopefully uh, one gifts that I like to see with him uh, down the road uh, are considerations for, granted, I don't think he's going to be the MVP, but at least get some MVP consideration, get uh, all league consideration, assuming there actually is an all-star game, all-star game consideration. uh, But again, for a guy whose game is old school, kind of the mid-range game, as they say, uh, but being highly efficient with that mid-range game, might as well give him something that's good, solid standard, like a good U.S. savings bond. So that yeah, yeah, is my just, gift. By the way, I should add, DeMar DeRozan, also, much like me, a Los Angelino, and I love to give gifts to my fellow Angelinos. Yeah, you just know in about 50 years, those bonds are going to gain like $5, right? Like, like <laughs> I still remember the birthday bonds. My grandma, true story, used to give me one of these every year for my birthday. She'd give me a savings bond. And so like I finally cashed them in about five years ago and each one was worth like 125 bucks. So <laughs> the course of like 30 years, they had accrued to be like 125 bucks. Not bad. If you go I bonds, if you go I bonds, those, those are at a higher yield. So, you know, if you get them an I bond us savings, bond. I got to talk to grandma Curtin, man. I got to talk to grandma Curtin. Money, man. Nothing wrong. You, you got to balance the portfolio, my friend. All right, Otto. So the two guests, that we have not revealed yet. The first two were kind of expected, right? Like we do this show every week with them. Do you have any idea who might be next? Behind any door, idea? Behind door number three? I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. All right. All right. Well, here we go. Because he alluded to it that one, this guy likes to rag on me all the time. 
he is also heavily invested in the crypto sphere. Like if you just follow his timeline, he's going to tell you where to invest and where not to invest. And he also, his team for the first time, I think ever is playing in a college football playoff. He is the one, he is the only, his name is Scott Turkin. Scott, it is good to see you. Welcome to the party, my friend. It's great to be here, guys. I appreciate you calling and having me on. Uh, we did a lot of great work together on this show. <clears throat> In terms of my Christmas gift or holiday gift, I'm going to take out my credit card that has the biggest spending limit, and I'm going to give it to Steph Curry and Aisha Curry, and I'm going to send them away on a weekend to wherever the hell they want to go because Steph Curry gives my kids and myself so much satisfaction watching him every day. My daughter has a Steph Curry mask. She has a Steph Curry hat. She has a jersey, shorts, socks. It's unbelievable how much that she loves Steph Curry. We went to Boston Garden last weekend. My kids were in awe of watching him play and hit threes. Um, I grew up a Pistons fan. I still reserve the right to be a Pistons fan. But as far as the Warriors and how great they are to watch and how much satisfaction we get as a household, I'm sending Steph and his wife away for a weekend, and that's the least I can do. So that's my that's my holiday gift. Now, now here's the thing, Turk. Steph Curry is not taking like a weekend in the Poconos, right? Like Steph Curry is going to like Turks and Caicos, and he's getting like the absolute highest valued spot there. Are you okay? Yeah, with that? I, I realize with I realize I might have to dip into the Bitcoin <laughs> stash a little bit. Uh, but you know, I'm fine with it. I, you know, I've thought law, I, you know, you sent that email. I thought about it for about nine seconds and that was the best present I could think of for the people, my favorite player in the NBA. So came right away. At least you didn't send him to Detroit. Yes. We wouldn't do that. That would be, yeah, that, that might be, that might be something you do for like someone who gets like a thing, of coal in their stocking, right? Like you get to go to Detroit during the winter months. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cleveland, Detroit. Those Rust Belt cities are not the best. Traverse ones. City. Come Traverse on, send them to Traverse City. That's nice. The cherries are great in Traverse City in the summertime. That's their famous for that. <laughs> All right, Otto. We have two more guests coming. Do you have any idea? All right. You've kind of seen this cast of characters coming together, right? Like they're all people that have been involved in this show in some way, shape, or form. Over the course of what we found out, was 142 episodes that Catch and Shoot has been running. 142. Oh my god! I mean, we've almost done this for two years now. Does, does your does your back hurt? Because you've been carrying me for like the last. Well, you know, uh, you know my back my back always hurts. So right. that's that's just part of getting older, from what yeah. I found out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, de- definitely. That's without, without a doubt. So do you, do you have any do you have any idea? Or you yeah, want me just I'm, to I'm, tell you? I'm I'm I, I don't know. I'm just I because I want the, I want the real to come from you. So so okay. So tell right. us, uh, he's well, a very busy go. man, Aaron. You got to get to him already, man. All right. Behind door number four, because he's been waiting this entire time. He's been on this call for about 15 minutes now. And this was originally his show as he was one of the original co-hosts of this show. He's been on with us now twice. Um, Autumn, he has provided in-depth analysts whenever we needed him. He is the one. He is the only. His name is Adam Stanko. Adam, welcome to the party. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, it's so nice to be here. Listen, I I want to let you guys know I provided multiple gifts. I knew that this group would be frugal. <laughs> I was not let down. I knew that would be the case. I don't even have a pure hoops hat. Just letting letting everyone know. Um, I don't know how many episodes you have to do before you get a pure hoops hat, but apparently I, I didn't do enough. So I, so I have two. So first of all, it's great to see all these faces uh, and, and hear these voices. But I have um, I have two gifts that uh, that I want to give. First gift is is to Zion Williamson, um, the Paleo Diet book. Um, Zion, I knew back when his he was at Duke and then working out pre draft. I knew you guys would would probably ask some pre draft questions. I'll just get it right out there. Zion had this weight issue going on and really wasn't taking the workouts as seriously as he should have and, and was working out with an uncle or a stepfather or something uh, and not really taking it as, 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 as um, really as seriously as he should have at the time. And so because of that, uh, there were weight concerns even pre-draft uh, that his camp had. And so now it's of no surprise that that has continued on. Um, and then secondly, 
Oh, oh, I have a little visitor. We have here. another guest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, this awesome. is awesome. Who we got? Who oh, we got? Who little is man. This? This, this is Hudson. Can you say hi? <laughs> That's the closest <laughs> we're going to get. So, um, yeah, but anyway, so no surprise. Zion needs to get off the sweets. I love sweets, but I'm not trying to uh, come back from an injury and, and be probably the most explosive player in NBA history. So that's first of all. And the second gift that I'd like to give is to NBA fans in general. And that is I hearken back to uh, it's been nearly 35 years. In 1987, UCLA and North Carolina played an alumni game that featured the likes of James Worthy in his prime, Michael Jordan in his prime, Reggie Miller. Yet there were also some old heads playing in this game. And for anyone that's seen the tape, or if you haven't, go on YouTube right away, check that out. It's the most incredible game ever because it's Jordan, Reggie Miller, James Worthy in their prime, and then like Walt Hazard, Lucius Allen, and a bunch of out of shape guys from the 60s. And that was incredible to see. And I think the fans deserve that now. So with all the players out for, for COVID reasons, we need to bring back some, some of these old guys from the NBA. I want to see Barkley back out there. I want to see Shaq out there. I want to see some of these guys that played in the NBA years and years ago. Bird and his bad back, just for Bruce's sake. I want to see those guys playing on the same floor as some of today's superstars because that has happened in the past and it'd be awesome to see uh, happen again. Adam, those are tremendous gifts, and I think NBA fans everywhere will appreciate it. But here's the thing. We have one more person who's coming to this party that we need to introduce. And because you know him exceptionally well, right? Like, like you guys have a bond, and I've never actually gotten to meet him. So this is the first time I'm getting to meet him. Why don't you introduce our last guest? Well, you might be let down, Aaron. <laughs> I'll start there. You might. I'm just saying you might. Um, you, you probably have, uh, heard his voice on countless play-by-play games, um, incredibly talented guy, truth be told, and has also done some incredible podcasts, most notably the follow-up with his daughter, Eden, who's, as we all know, the real star of that podcast. And, uh, just as Aaron, you and Otto have grown this great bond. Yes. You, you talk about it. Uh, Bruce actually connected our next guest. That's Noah Kozlov and Noah and I, have become tremendous friends and I'm, I'm very grateful that we got a chance to meet through this, through this pod. And so I'm happy to introduce him now as he, as he'll give his gift and also probably take a shot at me in the process. I'm assuming. Yeah. My, my first gift to give out to anybody associated with the NBA would be a night in a hotel room by himself, Adam Stanko. Cause the guy just needs like, a, like one good night's sleep. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just hasn't had a good night's sleep in, 18 years. I was, I was going to say over a decade. So sure. About, about 18 years. He just needs one good night's sleep. That's all he needs. So that's what, that's what I would give. Um, I'd also to, to every team, I guess, and these could be stocking stuffers. Um, I would give at home COVID kits to, to every, to every NBA team. And I'd also like to give truth serum to Ben Simmons. So then we could finally understand exactly what is going on in Philadelphia. So those, those would be my, my, my three gifts. I love it. I love it. And here's the thing. I'm pretty sure even if you gave Ben Simmons true serum, he wouldn't know what the truth is. So I don't know if he could actually tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff works. Uh, Stuff works. As it's great to have everybody here. Uh, on one screen. Uh, this is the first time I think we've all been together in some way, shape, or form as we've all had a part in this show. And as Otto and I were saying, this show has more than 142 episodes that have ranged over the course of three plus years, right? Which is pretty amazing for a podcast. It's, it's a long line of guests who have been generous with their time, who have stopped by, who have had 25, 30 minutes 40 minute conversations with some of us just about their livelihoods, what went into their day to day, what it was like for them in the league. And so I, I guess because we have both of you guys together, Adam and Noah, because you were the original hosts of this show, Adam, let's start with you. What was kind of the thing that you loved most about doing this show? And then what was kind of a high water moment for you doing this? 
Uh, I would say, first of all, what I love most is, I mean, and it, of course, I'm going to say this because I'm seeing all the faces here, but uh, really just getting to work with this this group uh, was incredible. Like I mentioned, I, I love working with Noah. Um, we've become great friends. Bruce and I were wonderful friends before this. I had the chance to work with Turk. Um, so all of that was was really incredible. It was that that part of the experience was was awesome for me. And in terms of the work that we were doing, I would say I walked away from our interview with Larry Brown saying like, that was incredible. We had a conversation with Larry Brown, unlike anything I think I've ever heard. Um, for people to go back and listen to that episode in particular, I know you guys have, have used it on some best ofs and what have you, but um, that was really spectacular. And, and also to, to, I guess, Carolina has become the theme tonight because I, I mentioned that UCLA-UNC game and now uh, Larry Brown. And I'm going to say Brad Doherty too. I know Noah will also mention. There were things that Brad Doherty talked about that Noah and I were just blown away by like his honesty, I think. It was, it was incredible. So I think just having people open up time and time again to us, these incredible guests and the fact that they were willing to talk to us, I think was was what I probably hold the most dear. Noah, what about you? Yeah, for me, the thing I'll take away is um, editing out how many times Adam says incredible during a podcast. So when I would edit, you know, I would, I would take out like maybe like two thirds of them to try to make them seem a bit more intelligent than, than he really is. But I know, I mean, probably the most that the, it was, it's obviously certainly the friendship with, uh, with Adam and then, and getting to know Bruce and Turk for sure. But you know, all that time, spent with Adam, um, you know, even afterwards, we still, you know, we talk on the phone a lot. Um, it's like, he's like family and, and it's always going to be the, the times that I feel like the two of us got really honest when, since we, we did two a week and one was just the two of us talking hoops and, and a little bit of life. And, and you know, we were pretty honest about uh, some things going on in our lives. And, um, talked about some jobs I didn't get and, and felt the need to, uh, to shed light on certain things. And then in terms of the interviews, I started thinking about this earlier today. I think the, the one with Mark Jackson, the, uh, the former NBA big man, Mark Jackson went to Temple. Mark's a, a Philly guy. And, and Mark telling his stories of coming from nothing, le less than nothing, and waking up at five in the morning to shower outside using the fire hydrant before anyone else in the neighborhood was awake so that he wasn't seen and embarrassed and building up to what he did the rest of his life and, and now how he inspires a, a whole nother generation of, of basketball players and his sons and not just players but but makes them into men they're, they're it's stories like that that uh, uh that got me on uh, from the interview series for sure. Yeah. One one thing I want to point out too that that Noah I thought was going to mention for sure, and I remember this moment for for Bruce and and Turk. I told a, a story at one point about a party I was at in Topeka, Kansas. That I'm sure. First off, you were in a party in Topeka, Kansas. He worked oh, yeah. in Topeka, Kansas. That's my first a, ever job. Come on, was, was this almost famous? Was that, so, so, so was this WIBW? Is this where you were at? I did. I did work yeah. at WIBW. That was that was my first job in my career. And I told this story about going to a party that had cocaine and strippers. I mean, mother daughter thing. It was, listen, it was incredible. I all I remember is that we finish up the story. And I think it was Turk then that like reached out was like, are you sure we want this out there um, associated with the podcast? I think we pulled the plug. Am I right, Bruce, that we that we ended up pulling the plug on that that story? I think that one, that one was a while ago. But if we pulled the plug on that one, that would have been a really bad, bad decision. No, no, no. I'll tell you why we pulled the plug on that, because it was because we were putting like those stories at the end of our interviews. And I think I I'm, I'm fairly certain it was at the end of an interview, like after we interviewed Mike Breen and Mike Breen is like the most uh, like straight and narrow guy and like would have none of that story that Adam told. And I, I think that's why we pulled it. I that's think. ringing a bell. It, I yeah. think you're probably right. It won't yeah. be pulled this time. 
It's going to air on the producer's cut. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Reach out on social media. I'll tell you, I'll be happy to tell you the story. The, the, the quick hitter on YouTube. <laughs> All right, Otto, we got to circle back to you now. So we had the former hosts of this show who are gracious enough to spend their time with us on this program today. What about you, my man? I mean, we, we look, we covered so much. I mean, as, as I said, the, the, um, fellowship with you and with, with Bruce and, and Turk and, and now Dan and, and then like, we, we, we also had some, some guests. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy to say there was a guest that we had who's no longer with us and say Smith. Like, it's yeah. like just, you know, kind of what, what has, what we've all endured over the last, um, all the last couple of years. I mean, on the, on the brighter side and, you know, we were talking with, with, um, I think it was Will Purdue just a, just a couple of uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and he re- he reminded me of some some crazy ESPN party that he that, that he remembered. I was like a master of summer on his forehead. and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. So it's just you know just the ability to kind of connect with people or reconnect with people, and and um, and just you know the, the fellowship and the good times we've had you know uh, doing this thing. And I, and for you, sir, I can imagine it's going to come back to Kansas. Well, you know, a big part of it is I've gotten to share my love of Kansas basketball and Kansas City sports in general with everyone on this program in some way, shape, or form. Some people have ragged on me for it. Some people have brought up bad memories like Hakeem Warwick, you know, blocking Michael Lee in the corner of the 2003 National Championship game. But to that, I say Kansas hits their free throws. That one does not matter. But, uh, you know, so for me, obviously the biggest thing, and I, I think it goes back to a lot of what we're all feeling is like, we got to make some genuine connections with people that we never knew, right? Or that we didn't know beforehand. Like the most interaction I've had with everybody on this screen is right here on Zoom doing this week in and week out. And so for that, it's it's been a unique experience because you would think that it'd be very hard to build strong bonds and develop relationships with people that you haven't actually met in real life. But I felt like through a lot of the stories that we were able to tell on this show, um, that happened. And probably the most memorable guest that we have, we had, was not a player, was not a coach. As you know, Otto, I very much enjoy talking to writers and understanding the inner workings of the pieces of the puzzle that they're continually trying to put together each and every day, just like you do as an editor, right? And I remember the conversation we had with Mark Spears. You remember that of the undefeated? Yeah. And just how candid, open, honest he was about everything that was going on at that time, right? Because it was at a time where really like sports took a backseat to what was happening in the real world. And it was one of the first times in an interview I really walked, or well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. It was one of the first times I was uncomfortable going into an interview and having that conversation. And the way that he steered everything around sports and the way that he kind of told his story and the things that were happening, I walked away from and I was like, this is amazing. This is the best interview I've ever been a part of and I've ever gotten to. Because I, I really at that time felt like someone who was just sitting in on something and just listening. And it was a real conversation. And I felt like we did a lot of that in our two years doing this show, right? Like it didn't always center around the NBA. We talked about the NBA, sure, but we were very open to having other conversations. And I thought that was by far the best part of it. Yeah. Because look, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're about driving, you know, driving this, this, all of this forward and, you know, trying to make without, without coming off as hokey, you know, trying to, trying to make it, um, you know, we're all trying to find our way through and make our way through, uh, COVID, not COVID, but it's, you know, it's just, it's just one of those, one of those things. And yeah, I agree. agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Yeah, absolutely. So the next person I want to ask about this is someone who has kind of helped us all through this, right? Like uh, he was our lead producer when we started, he was also the producer for Noah and Adam. And that is the one and only Scott Turkin, right? Like Scott, even though you left us, I'm still a little upset about that still a little angry about it because I enjoyed the 15 minute conversations we'd get where Scott would call me and he'd be like, yo, you need to figure out how to do this and you need to do this right. (laughs) No, no, it was never like that. But Turk, I, and I've told you this numerous times, 
you're one of the few producers I've ever had that have actually taken the time to work through things with me. And I was incredibly appreciative for that. And so I would just, you know, as you think back of your catch and shoot experience, what was your, what was your high water moment? Well, I appreciate you saying that. And I did, I did really relish the opportunity to have sort of feedback and coaching moments with you. And we, you were very receptive to that. Um, yeah, I, the joking and the good natured ribbing with all four of the hosts, it's definitely Noah is a very sharp, has a very sharp wit to him. And you really got to be on your toes. And like, I think the first time I, I met him, he called me like a, I don't know what he said, but it was just like, whoa, this guy is not messing around. So like, I knew I had to be on my toes with Noah, uh, but it was always good. He always good give and take. Um, but, you know, I'm going to get a little sen- sentimental here. You know, Bruce Bernstein is a guy who early in my career at ESPN was a mentor to me. Um, we've had a great connection over the years. I helped his son when he went to University of Michigan, uh, you know, get connected with the athletic department. Um, and just working with Bruce, uh, everyone, I totally echo the sentiments about everyone, the sort of fellowship that we created and the bonds we created, but just getting to work with Bruce on a regular basis um, and try to help him make this into something special was really, was really a highlight for me. And, you know, Bruce is certainly a legend in the industry, someone we all look up to quite a bit and uh, still got a lot of tread on the tires as a content guy. So I, you know, Bruce, I hope you continue to, to work in this space and continue to try to help grow hoops content. Cause you're great at it. You have a great network and people who really respect you. So um that's probably my biggest highlight is just working with Bruce. No offense to anyone else. I love you all. But uh, the great Bruce Bernstein, I think, would, would cap it for me. I love that. I love that. Bruce, I'm trying to save you for last because you are the person who ties this all together. So I'm not going to go to you just yet. I'm going to go to our current producer, Dan Kramer, who has done a great job taking over for the one and only Scott Turkin. And I, I can tell you this, like, you know, a good producer when they're willing to do anything for you. Right. And I asked Dan, and this is how ridiculous I I can be sometimes. I was like, yo, Dan, I can't ever find your emails. Can you just put the zoom link in a calendar invite? No problem. No problem. I love that. Like, but Dan, I can also appreciate all the hard ribbing you've given me about Syracuse and how bad you think Kansas football is. And it's true. Kansas football is atrocious, but we're not going to talk about that right now, but what has been, even though it's only been seven months, what have you enjoyed most working on this show? Well, I will probably echo, not probably, I will echo what um, Scott has said. I mean, similar to Scott, I um, many years ago joined ESPN as a young pup in the business and was able to get the mentorship of uh, one Bruce Bernstein, who, just amazed me with uh, both his, you know, just his knowledge of sports and certainly knowledge of basketball uh, overall, and just kind of his calm demeanor in terms of working with um, just really just about anybody uh, at any different level when it comes to kind of, uh, as they say, make the sausage uh, that is uh, providing content, whether it's via these podcasts, whether it was on television, whether it's on radio, just, you know, the the written word, Bruce is the appropriate, um, shall we say, appropriate boss and appropriate leader. And I've appreciated his mentorship for, you know, now, you know, close to three decades. Um, And it's been a pleasure to be able to work with him again in this situation. Obviously, it's been a pleasure uh, working pretty much with all you guys, I guess, other than Noah. Noah, nice to meet you for the first time. Um, I thought you were going to say you know, it wasn't we, a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Um, but, um, you know, it's, um, you know, again, it was great working with everybody. I mean, kind of all those are high watermarks, uh, you know, from a guest standpoint, it, it, as someone who has, uh, who grew up, out here in LA, so in Southern California, who knew this person's um, husband, who was a Hall of Famer in his sport as well, uh, whose uh, restaurant was uh, was three blocks from where I grew up, and somebody whose um, life and career that you know I kind of followed even as a young kid when it was just kind of 
kind of just kind of indicated that, you know, she had was one of the first people to try to try out for an NBA team and to be able to have her talk about that. And obviously I'm talking about Ann Myers Drysdale um, to have her talk about that and have her talk about uh, the WNBA and how to grow the game and how, uh, you know, how, you know, it really is, it really does seem, even though there's been some kind of stalls to it, um, you know, what um, the, the ability of a uh, Becky Hammond or others that we will eventually see a woman, a woman's coach, coach in the NBA and getting her perspective. And I just, it was such a great experience to have her on and talk about all that. And at least from a guest perspective, that was the person that, uh, you know, was really cool for me to be able to have on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. All right. Now that we have all showered Bruce with compliments because he has been a, really uh, an integral part of all of our lives. Like Bruce, I, I remember when you called me to talk through this show about what you guys were looking for. And we literally just spent 45 minutes talking about people you knew from Kansas city, former Jayhawks. And it wasn't even really a conversation about the show. It was about life in general, like, which I thought was awesome. I'd never met this person. This was the first conversation we were ever having. And I think you literally asked how my day was going. And there's not a lot of people who do that. And so like after hearing what everyone had to say about this show and you being a part and such a huge part of pure hoops media, just, I'm not even sure if you can summarize what this show meant to you or what these people mean to you, but let's give it a go. Well, first of all, I want to thank all of you for your kind words. Uh, it's very, very humbling that people that I respect as much as all of you uh, feel that way towards me. And I think that's one of the reasons that we've had such a wonderful time. Uh, certainly Adam and Noah at the beginning, uh, Turk, Dan, and, and Otto and Aaron. Um, one of the things I wanted to do with Pure Hoops Media, starting up from scratch, it was like, I just want to work with people that are nice, that are smart, that are not assholes, right? That are people that maybe always won't do everything you want them to do, but will always be willing to compromise and discuss and I think we always had a very sort of democratic way of doing things here. Nobody ever was asked to do something that they didn't want to do. And I think as a result, that made all of us very loyal towards one another, because in all of our dealings, we always had each other's back. I mean, nobody ever got thrown under a bus. Uh, and in a business that's known sometimes for some, you know, rotten human beings doing rotten things to each other, and we've all got stories, Noah's nodding and he has more than a lot of people have. Uh, are but, we telling uh, those now? What's that? Are we now telling those? Is this the time when we just start ripping people? Yeah, we can we can name some names if you want to <laughs> if you want to put a bow on your career tonight. I mean, that's fine. Uh, but some of the highlights for me of doing this show, the very, very, very first show that we did was January 16th of 2019. And Noah managed to track down Rick Barry, who was fishing down in Mexico. And he told us the famous story about how Clifford Ray stuck his arm down a dolphin and pulled some metal bolt out of the. I mean, just great stories and didn't always have anything to do with basketball. I mean, Adam, you mentioned Larry Brown and Brad Doherty. They were great. You know, Steve Javi, you know, was, was also fantastic. A Philly guy. We did a lot of Philly related things in the early going because Noah and Adam are both Philly guys. But just the, the variety of people that we've had on, we've had on Hall of Famers, Alex English, Mike Breen, Larry Brown, you know, journalists like Jack McCallum. Uh, we had Rudy Tomjanovich right after he got, you know, named to the, you know, uh, that he was elected to the Hall of Fame. So for me, this never, ever, ever was work for me. It was organizing. It was, it was brainstorming. It was being around people that I had genuine affection for. And that, of course, is all of you and all of our guests. And while we're kind of, you know, it, it's coming to an end right now, there's one thing that I have in my mind moving forward. And that's if I ever have a chance to work with each and every one of you at some point down the road, I'd be honored. That's awesome, man. And I, I, I can honestly say I would love to work with you again. I think we all would, you know? And if there's one person who can make it happen, Bruce, it's definitely you, my man. I hope. 
That was dope. I'll tell you what, it was a lot of fun to see all those guys, to have them back on the show to discuss what this podcast has meant to them, to what these conversations have meant to them. But Otto, I didn't get to tell you, man, what it's been like working on this show each and every week with you. And I can honestly tell you that this is the most fun the thing that I look forward to every single week, like doing this show with you for the last two years has been awesome. And just like Adam and Noah talked about the relationships that they built, you know, the conversations that they've had. And like, we, we joke around about this, but like, I remember when you and I were starting this show and you had never really worked in a medium where you had to talk, right? Like you did everything through the written word. And so like, we had conversations about like things that you could do to get more comfortable. Like we would text, we would call, like um, we still have moments where we text each other offline, even though we talk every week about what's going on and how we can each like get better or more importantly, like what's going on in our own lives. Right. And like, those are the things that are very hard to put into context about what this show has meant because you know, we spoke about it. It's bigger than just the people that we've had on. It's everything that goes into this each and every week. And that's very hard to convey to the listeners. No, definitely. I mean, it, it, this is going to sound silly, but like as a kid growing up, you know, for me, cause I'm over 50, it was all about, you know, NBC, CBS, ABC. And what you'd hear is, Hey, these guys have done a hundred shows. They've done 75 shows. They've done a hundred, 110 shows. And I realized we weren't around for all of them, but the fact that I'm and you were, they were associated with something that had a, hun, a run of 142 shows. That, I mean, that, that sounds insane to me. And then to, to kind of dovetail that with the fact that, yes, for as many years as I've been in the business, I've been doing this for three decades. And, you know, even before I started as a, as a, as a I mean, I, I, I was saying, I always use my voice in, uh, I sang in Lincoln Center, I sang, and, and so people would say over, over, over time, like, hey, you got to use your voice, you got to, and I never did, I never, I never really felt the, the, felt the calling, and then when we started doing it, I was like, oh, wow, this, this, this is a lot of fun, and I just never felt like I, 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 was, I was always afraid I was going to be uncomfortable doing it, or too uncomfortable, um, and I credit you, and I credit Bruce, and I credit Dan, and I credit Turk for, like, kind of making me feel like Hey, you know, you, you, you're, you've been in business a long time, but you're at the same time, you're a newbie. So you'll, you'll, you'll get there. And I, and I mean, I am no, you know, whatever you, whatever the epitome of perfection is, I'm hardly that as, as these guys will attest to, you know, take four, take five <laughs> to, to read, to read three lines. But, but, uh, but I thank you guys uh, for working with me and, and sticking with me and by me through all of this. And, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, sending a text at, at, at crazy hours about, hey, this idea or an email or whatever, this, it's, uh, it's meant a lot. And it's like, like everyone has said, it's hard to really kind of capture um, what, what it has meant, but, it, but it's been a really fun ride. And it's one that um, I hope we pick up on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Just because we're, I mean, hey, we spoke about this earlier, right? Like all good bands go on hiatuses, right? And then they come back and they're like, that was dumb. We should still do this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. So, so hopefully we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll cut another album at some point. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, we definitely will. And we're going to do it with everybody that we just saw on this screen or yep. that everyone that you just listened to on this show. Yep. Because when people have an idea, they get to see it through no matter how many tries it takes, right? Like just because one thing ends doesn't mean that it doesn't come back in another way, shape or form. And I have full confidence as everybody heard on this show and the brains behind this operation, Bruce Bernstein and bringing us all back together in some way, shape or form. And so, well, we all got to say it on the show. I'm saying it again. Bruce Bernstein is a legend. Thank you for everything. And this is not goodbye, but Otto, should we put a bow on this? How appropriate would that be? <laughs> let's do it. Let's, let's do it. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. All right, time to wrap things up for this week's special. Thanks to our producer. You got to hear him. We got him on mic this week. That is the one. That is the only Daniel Kramer. And to our editor, my guy, Drew Rich, Rock Chop. 
Also, big ups to our king of content, our CCO, and our EP, Bruce Bernstein. As for the rest of all that Pure Hoops Media has to offer, The Mike Weiss Show each week brings you entertaining takes, incredible stories, and high-level guests. Monica McNutt and King McClure have buckets, boards, and blocks. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops Podcast. And you can always catch Otto and me with Catch and Shoot 2.0. Okay, everybody, we know the news is scary, but... Still, our hope is that everybody gets that, gets that COVID vaccine, get your booster um, so that we can finally put this pandemic to an end. But as you know, we are not there yet as, as you're reading and hearing in the, in, in the latest news, news dispatches. So please protect yourself and others by wearing a mask, washing your hands and maintaining that physical distance as best you can. Please do not forget the medical professionals and the other frontline workers who are doing their part to keep us safe. So my partner, Aaron Berlin, and for everybody from the Pure Host Media family and Catch and Shoot 2.0, happy holidays. See you down the road. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.